going to ask you if you would just join with me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day, this beautiful day that you've made, a day that we can rejoice in and be glad, Lord. We thank you for our life, health, and strength. We thank you, Lord, for the word that was received on the first Sunday of Advent, Lord, and how we uh, embrace the theme of hope, Lord, and how the prophet spoke hope, Lord, out of darkness into light, Father, and we just come to a day of expectations where we are going to uh, revisit, Lord. We want to see uh, what this time and what it means to us, Father. So we just pray that you will bless us today, Lord. Let your word find fertile soil and let it be planted in our hearts, Lord, that we will go forth, Lord, in your strength and in your might, and we will be the representatives for you in this day and hour. In Jesus' name we pray. We certainly do thank God uh, for this opportunity. It's been a long time uh, since I've been in this place, but it's always good to know that uh, sharing the word and speaking the word is really my first love. Um, uh, playing the bass is one of those gifts that God gave me, and I just can't seem to put it down. Uh, when I came to know the Lord, I was in a rock band, not a rock band, but back then they call it R&B, you know. I wasn't a rocker. I was a R&B kind of guy, you know, Motown. So we want to make sure that's, that's straight, Motown. Okay, there is a difference. Um, and the first question uh, that I had as I stepped into this tent Revival. Some of you may not know, I'm trying to date myself, that back in those days there were a lot of tent revivals going on. We can really go back to A. Allen. We can go back to uh, various ones who ran through our communities. And this was just one of those times that uh, God chose to come through our town, our little village, our little uh, community uh, with this revival. And sure enough, some sort of way I ended up there thinking that I was going to find uh, some very uh, vulnerable young ladies who didn't really know what they were doing, and I was just going to just sweep right in and, and uh, you know, uh, disrupt their lives and, and, you know, take them away and, you know, grab them and, and all this kind of thing out of the clutches of this environment. But it didn't happen that way because their friendliness and their kindness uh, grabbed hold of me and in the process, there I was sitting uh, among a group of uh, community uh, singers that they went out into community. That's when they first started the idea of community choirs. You didn't have to really have a relationship and walk with God. They just went out in the community. You want to come? Come and, and, and join us and sing. And that's what I did. I, I came in and as they invited me back. And uh, I asked the question, you know, uh, the powerful thing that really happened that night was God really spoke to my life, that whole empty void place that there, there wasn't nowhere where I was giving glory and honor to God. I wasn't serving him. I wasn't walking. Yes, I knew he exists. I wasn't an atheist, but I, I just was not, my life was not aligned with him. But uh, the beauty thing of that is uh, having that gift of playing uh, in a band, all I can see is that this will not work in this environment. What I'm going to do now with all of this that most of my life was about, 
And so I asked someone the question, um, what, what I'm going to do with this? Did I just stop playing? And the first thing they said, no, no, just bring that because God's going to get hold of that and he's going to convert that into not giving glory to yourself and to men, but to give glory to God. And I got excited. I said, wow, how, you know, I, I can really, really, really do that. You know, I can, I, you know, he's going to do that in my life. And sure enough, that is exactly what he did. And, and I've been playing for, for God every, every, every since. And so that is the place that God uses me. And I think even Ryan uh, thought that maybe I can just play today with them. They were going to be a little short. And uh, I can just step in and play the bass. And when I get through that, I can put my guitar down and then come up and step to the podium. But sure enough, uh, mercy and grace kind of stepped in. And it said... Um, no, Will, we're not going to put that weight on you. But I'm used to doing that. I'm used to having multiple hats, you know, multiple uh, places of multitasking. That sort of. So I'm just really grateful to have this opportunity today. And I thank God for what we're going to be talking about today. And the theme is, I didn't expect peace in the process. And we're going to be looking at some areas um, in, in regards to uh, the reason for this season, we're going to revisit how Jesus entered into uh, the world and how he came and those in whom he came by way of, those that were involved in the process. And I think that's a very key word when we talk about uh, just experiencing life. Life is a process. You can't run through life. You can't, the race is not given to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but to them that endure. In order for you to mature in the way that you need to mature, in order for you to be able to draw from experiences in life, you need to go through a process. You need to be able to take time and patience and listen and sit at the feet of those that really have the background, those that have already gone before you. Uh, I think uh, when, you, when we think of that as children, it's our parents that seem to have the greatest influence on us, and then our teachers. But all of these individuals pour into our lives because they want us to develop in a way that we would be mature, responsible people, uh, contributors to our, our communities, and be people that can be leaders, people that can be uh, those that would teach others. And so we have to go through a process. But we look at our world today, it just kind of seems like that's not happening in so many places. We have just instant everything. We click on, we, we, just, we can do Cyrus, where we can just speak into phones and things can just happen. There's just a fast, instant, we don't have to worry about textbooks anymore. We can just speak to things and they just happen. We're living in a very fast. We, we are not smelling the roses anymore. We're not stopping to see the things that are around us. We're not taking note. We're not really learning from people's uh, lives and trying to really get next to people, to really know them and really understand who they are. But there's a, there is a process that we need to take time and, and sit back and really understand what is it in this that I'm experiencing that's really going to be a benefit to me, that's really going to be helpful for me in my life. And you'd be able to take notes and you'd be able to take uh, from people's advice 
and use that advice in your life. So as we look at our theme today, I didn't expect peace in the process. And again, we're going to be looking at several uh, references from Scripture. And I want to encourage you, uh, yes, we do have our sermon notes, um, but I want you to um, take your pen, some pens behind the seat, and jot down Scriptures. I'm going to probably share uh, passages and Scriptures with you that are not in the notes. But if you take those scriptures and write them down, then you'll be able to have those, uh, you know, with you as you leave today, and you'll be able to go into the Bible. And Dwayne says, "Okay, I'm in the shadow of Dwayne today." So as I give you these extra passages and scriptures, I want to encourage you to go home and read your Bible, look look them up. So we're we're gonna really kind of get into this idea of, of peace. You know, peace is something that seems to be evasive. We are looking at the conditions of our world today. The news is just over inundated with all acts of violence from every, you know, they can't get through with one story before another story is already right uh, next to be uh, reported. And, and it's like, you know, how much of this can we really endure? How much of this stuff can our communities be turned upside down and you know we're afraid to go anywhere we're afraid to walk in the malls we can be afraid to to take trips to a place because there seem to be so much violence and evil and different things that are just uh, everywhere we go but I'm so glad today that I can introduce to you if you don't know that there is one that the scripture has talked about Isaiah was the first one to bring it to light, Isaiah 9 and 6, that there is a child that is born unto us and a son that is given. And I'm just going to fast forward to where it says, he will be called Wonderful, Mighty God, and Prince of Peace. And we've come to know and understand, especially in the faith community, and as we uh, came to understand and looked into, you know, what is it about this? What is it about this prophetic word that we find that is so important and so meaning for us that now here is one that is called the Prince of Peace. He, he represents the highest uh, position um, in, in, in humanity, in the world, highest humanity in all the spiritual understandings of God that he is the Prince of Peace. And as we look at the Word of God in Philippians 4 and 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understandings will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is it about this Jesus that will speak into our lives in a way that we have never heard someone speaking to our lives for how can this Jesus this prince of peace given to us by the prophets can really change my life in such a way that peace becomes something that is not just the idea peace when you define it is not about just the absence of war or the absence of conflict or the absence of uh, strife or the absence of worry and 
and, and tension and all these things that seemingly uh, invade our lives and invade our homes and invade our relationships that kind of disrupts everything. And we long for peace. Most of us here long for the idea that if I can just live in a peaceful uh, existence, I would be okay. But the absence of these things are not the actual definition of peace. What we are going to see today is the unexpected peace from the Prince of Peace that comes into our lives when we are in the middle of a war and conflict in a bad situation, when things seem to be all out of control, when it looks like there's nowhere to turn. This is where he, the Prince of Peace, is best uh, uh, seen and understood as the one who steps into that area because he allows us to go through the experience of those things that are against the idea of us being in a peaceful state. And I think about this scripture that when that word transcend, it means it goes way beyond. It's, it's just further than we have ever seen in our lives. We've never experienced this kind of way that peace really works. It's not something that you can really put your finger on. You can't find it in uh, the schools of learning everywhere we go. We have everything coming at us from every angle, all the books that are being written, even in the Bible stores, we have certain materials, and everybody's trying to say something about it. But we can't really nail that down, how beyond our understanding, how we just didn't realize that I can be at peace in the middle of what I'm going through. And so as we look at this word of God, it transcends all of our understanding, and it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ. I'm reminded of a of a uh, time that uh, I, I and my wife, Yvonne, we were invited and we had a team. We had a ministry called Free to Go. And um, that ministry was very similar to, to Ava. And, you know, Ava's advocacy for victims of abuse. And we had this ministry even before she became the director of Ava. And we had been doing that for several years. We had been in various countries. We had traveled in parts of the world, and God had blessed us and opened up many doors for us to do this, this ministry. And we, we were actually invited to do this ministry on a cruise ship. You probably say, how in the world can that be, that you can actually do a ministry of this type, talking about uh, childhood uh, assault, talking about a wounded child, talking about an angry child, and, and, and how do we support adult survivors of those uh, particular traumas and people? But, but we did. That was a ministry that we were already doing. And we were traveling to different places. But we were actually on this cruise ship, and it took us into Cozumel, Yucatan, and those areas of Mexico. And, you know, I, I had heard all these horror stories. And this just going to show you how things can come through at least three portals in our mind. One of those portals can be, you know, what we can see with our eyes. Another one can see what we hear with our ears. And that third one can be is what uh, happens in our mind, our imagination, can kind of run away with us. And I had already heard these horror stories about uh, uh, Mexico and different areas. And, you know, you better get that insurance. And they always tell you all these little shops 
along the highway as you're going down. If you didn't get it at home, you can get it as you travel to these areas. They've got these little uh, places where you can go in and get this insurance, especially if you're driving a car. But here, you know, we were on a ship, so I figured we didn't have to worry about that at all. You know, we just go in the port and just get out and, you know, I was just going to enjoy ourselves and we were just going to have fun. We were just going to be able to uh, do the ministry. And then when we got a break, we were able to go out and, you know, travel around. I had rented a, a Jeep and uh, it was I and, and Yvonne and my daughter and we headed around the coast and we stopped on the beaches and we got out and jumped in the water and had fun and went into the little cafes and had all those exotic drinks and, and you know, we were just able to have a lot of fun. And as we were just kind of heading around the island, just the wind blowing in our hair, I had a lot more hair than I had then. You know, in their hair, they had more hair than I did. And so we, we kind of went around the island, and as I was coming back into town, I can see the cruise ship sitting out there, knowing that, you know, we had to be on that ship probably in a matter of an hour. You know, I had to be able to get through town, be able to get to the ship. And I was just, you know, flying down the boulevard there. It looked like uh, everything was just fine, you know, going through intersections. All of a sudden, I went through this one intersection, and somebody, uh, a lady and her son was on the back of a scooter. They hit, hit me broadside. And then I realized that I had just ran through a stop sign. And here I was in the middle of an intersection with minimal damage to the scooter and to, to the Jeep. But what had happened is that because of the portals of information that had come into me, and I already had a reservoir of storage of stuff about, you know, don't get into accidents in Mexico. Don't get into this kind of issue or problem, you know. And that's kind of what happens to us. We got stuff already stored up in our mind that says to us, um, you know, this may happen or that may happen. And a lot of those things that are stored up can create a sense of fear in us. We've become apprehensive. We've become afraid to move uh, into those areas. But here I was, already had in my mind that don't get into an accident here in Mexico. But I was hit broadside, and here I was in a situation. And, and the, the lady on the scooter with her son on the back really got upset. She got belligerent. She just jumped up, and she was just screaming and hollering. And, you know, I was trying to de-escalate the situation. But lo and behold, my daughter, Marla, jumped out of the Jeep and began to confront her in a very, you know, confronting way and was screaming back at her. And all I can see was them just going at it right there in the middle of the intersection. But all I was thinking of was the ship. I can see the cruise ship. <laughs> I need to be on that cruise ship, you know. And all the anxiety and worry began to amplify, and I just begin to feel, what am I going to do? And I can see that cruise ship. I, just, I need to get to the cruise ship. And all I can think about was, oh, we're going to end up in jail. We're going to end up having to, you know, turn over all our, our, our uh, uh, possessions, and, you know, we weren't going to have the money to be able to, get out and all that. All these kind of things were formulating in my mind. That was not a peaceful moment for me. But lo and behold, the officer calmly talked to us as my daughter got back into the Jeep, 
calmly talked to us. And first thing he said, uh, do you have insurance? And I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. I said, I pulled out all my papers. Lo and behold, there was insurance on the Jeep from me renting, renting the Jeep. And I pulled all that information out. He looked at it and said, okay, all your papers are in order. And so I tell you what, you can just go on back uh, to where you were going, your ship. You said you need to get on, on that ship, and they would take care of everything. The insurance will cover everything. And so all that emotions that I had within me, all of that ex, you know, worry and anxiety that had built up in such a way, there came an unexpected peace that seemingly entered in at the right time. It looked like everything was just falling apart around me, but it came at the right time. And I got to thinking about, you know what? We were doing a ministry called Free to Go. So maybe that's what that was all about in addition to the kind of ministry we were doing is being able to set people free. And here was God stepping into a very tense moment and I was being set free. And I said, thank you, Lord, that he was able to step in and bring what I needed at that moment. But when I think about the unexpected peace that God speaks about in the process of us knowing Jesus Christ, in the process of life, of having him fill our lives, be the rule in our lives, to be on the throne of our hearts, to be in the center of every dude, to be the one that leads us through the course of difficulties and help us to navigate through life, through that process, is that he doesn't just say, I'm going to be here, or I'm going to be there, don't have to step over this or step over that, but he'll say to us, I'm going to step into your life in a way that you're just going to be totally amazed. And I begin to say to myself, that is so wonderful and that's great to be able to understand as we begin to move further into our walk with God. I want to look at three important places we have God's peace from the inside out. And I think when we talk about this peace that passes all understanding, that keeps our hearts and minds, it's something that happens from the inside out, not always from the outside in. We're always looking, the world is wanting to pour stuff into us. Go here, go there, take this, take this drug, you know, do this, spend your money over here, I'll do this, we can do this, just buy into this, invest into this, you know, go over here, go there. But God is not concerned about what all the things that the world is talking about that will give us peace and tranquility and apathy. He wants to be able to know that he is that well with us, he is that center, he is that core in our lives where peace comes from the inside out. And we're going to look at three important places we have God's peace from the inside out. The first place that we want to look at is the place in Christ himself. We can see that he certainly is where we need to know, where we need to go, where we need to understand what is first important is the peace that we need in Christ. St. John 16 and 3 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. 
in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So the first place that we want to really know and understand the internal peace that's inside, that works from the inside out, is that we have peace in Christ. That you may have peace in me. You know, not in your money, not in your wealth, not in your status, not in degrees, not in, you know, all these things that you may have achieved in life. Those are the things that we do not have peace in. Not in the uh, offerings of the world, but the peace that we have first has to know and understand it is in Christ himself. Because he has overcome the world. We're not subject to the world. We're not dictated. The world doesn't dictate to us who we are, what we are, where we can go, what we can do. But we are in the uh, care and in the, in, in the uh, place of, of, of knowing that life is okay because we're in Christ. The second one is from within ourselves. Uh, that is Romans 15 and 13. May God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us within to a place that the peace that we're going to have in us will overflow. In other words, it's going to impact those around us. It's going to uh, influence those family members. It's going to influence the place where you work. It's going to influence the school that can be very radical. It's going to be so much of it there in Christ that it will just overflow and it will impact as we trust in him. In the community, it says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body we are called to peace and be thankful. I think about our transition here at Hope. Some of us may have thought, wow, you know, we, 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 we now have a pastor who's retired. We've had an associate pastor who's moved on to ministry. Maybe it looked like for a lot of us that we don't have leadership. Uh, who's going to lead us? Who's gonna, and and we're, we're in a process right now. We're in a transition, but it's a process. It's a process that God has not stepped away from. He's more involved in us having peace in him and not to be filled with anxiety, not to be filled with worry, because it wasn't all about who was the senior pastor or the associate pastor. It was about each one of us was a witness and representative to the power and grace of Jesus Christ. We, as members of a body, represent the peace of God. So we know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're, going to, we're getting through this because each one of us know what the peace of God looks like in this type of situation. And that's what gave me joy, put a smile on my face, because I'm just excited that when that next person steps on board, they're going to step into a healthy place where people have been walking in the peace and the insurance of God. People are anchored in God. As, as, as Pastor Scott says, our hope is anchored in him. We know who we are as people of God. We don't need someone else to come from somewhere and begin to try to tell us what we are and who we are. We're already there. We're already there. And I think that's so important 
uh, for us to know and understand that in community, um, we are a people who are a part of a body. And, and I think about, I think about uh, um, some stories that are kind of familiar with me that really helped me to feel really blessed. And I said, Lord, I thank you for putting uh, this kind of a word uh, in, your, in, in, in where I, we can read it and see it. You know, I think about the Hebrew boys. That's what we used to call them. Meshach, Meshach, uh, Abednego, and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We used to do that when I was a little child in elementary school. That was my first exposure going really to uh, a church in my community is that they had the flannel grass. Anybody remember flannel grass? Am I out if I'm dating us now? Maybe some of you don't know. Little cards with Jesus standing at the door knocking or the lying you know, Daniel and the lion den, you take those little cards and had all the little uh, description and reading on the back and you slap those cards right on the uh, flannel graph and they will stick, you know, on the flannel graph. But that's how I first heard about the story of Meshach, uh, Shadrach, and Abednego. Uh, they called them the Hebrew boys. But then when I found um, later on as I began to have this walk with God and I began to read the word of God, I looked and found that story. I looked in there and saw, wow, you know, they really had their feet planted in their conviction of who they were. They prayed when the oppressed regime that had them uh, under their control were wanting to have them and all of those in that region to bow down to an image that had been uh, erected. And the word that went out and they said once you hear the music, the harp and the lair, and I think about the harp and the lair and all the music. Once you hear the music, and I want you to bow down and worship this image, bow down and give homage to this image. And certainly if you didn't do that, there was going to be severe consequences. I think about our worship team, teams that I love to play with. You know, we hear music, and all we want to do is raise our hands to God and give God glory and give God praise. And we have a different perspective on not worshiping false idols in our worship. We were worshiping the true and living God. But here was a moment that three men who loved God, who served God, who walked with God, refused to bow down at the command of this regime. And the Bible says that as they refused, they were thrown into a furnace that was uh, heated seven times hotter than what was necessary for them to be consumed by the fire. Seven times hotter. And that's what the world does. The world just twists and they turn and they turn your arm and they put the pressure on you to a point that you think that maybe at some point I'm just going to give in. But God is saying to us, because we have peace in him, because he is that unexpected peace, that we do not need to give in. And so here we have... Uh, this occasion where as the king, Nazarkinesia, stood up and looked into the furnace, he saw something that was so unusual, so out of place, so different than anything that he thought he would ever see. He looked in there and he saw four people instead of just three. And he said, the fourth one looks like the Son of God. And I think how that jumped out at me. That each one of us, as we are seemingly in this life of, 
of pressure and fiery furnace and all the things that come against us, that we have, as I can say today, a fourth one. Say that with me, the fourth one. And I think that each one of us can say, as people look at our lives and they witness who we are, and they see our testimony, and they see that we're not a people who fall apart, a people who just waste away, that we have the fourth one who's there with us at all times, standing before us, being the person that keeps us in a place of not being worried about what's going on. And so I think about how great that is for us today. I, I, I thought about uh, the times when, when I look at uh, Joseph and Mary, they had to go through a serious process. Mary was being visited by the angel Gabriel and how he began to talk to her about her being the favored one and how that was going to be an uh, event in her life. She's the chosen one that was going to bring forth uh, this child, Jesus, that had been prophesied, prophesied 700 years ago. She was going to be the one to bring forth uh, this child, Jesus. And so Mary was very disturbed. She was troubled by that uh, visit from the angel. But God worked in her spirit in such a way that she was able to grab hold of that and embrace that and believe that and accept that. Even though she was saying, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I'm in spouse to Joseph. That's, that's my husband. That's the person that these kinds of things should be happening through. But now you're saying that this phenomenon is going to happen by the Holy Ghost that I'm going to be the one whereby this is, will take place. And I think about how when she finally received that, she went to her cousin Elizabeth and shared that information with her. And then three months later, she came to her husband Joseph. She was already, it was evidence that she was pregnant. And Joseph saw that and became to be very disturbed <laughs> at what he was seeing. And so uh, Joseph thought that something very tragic had happened. And he began to think about this relationship will end. But what happened that was unexpected, a step towards peace, the unusual presence of peace, the peace of God, was that Joseph was thinking, I'm not going to allow her to be put into a public place and stoned to death. That was, that was the law. Joseph was a righteous man who fulfilled the law. And he said, I'm not going to allow her to be stoned to death as a result of this, but I'm going to divorce her privately. And I think about how the righteousness of Joseph came through, the sensitivity of Joseph came through, the compassion that Joseph allowed God to use him and work through him. And, you know, Proverbs talks about how we can't abandon the wisdom. We can't abandon this beautiful person that speaks into our lives and gives us wisdom. And so when we think about how Joseph began to uh, take a different pathway, then the angel spoke to Joseph and visited him and said to him, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in here is from the Holy Spirit. This is what the prophets talked about in the days old. You have been chosen. You are the ones whereby this process has taken place, and I choose to allow this to happen through you. And you're going to be the ones to be the uh, 
vehicle. You're going to be the avenue whereby Jesus will be born into this world. And Joseph took that to heart, and it changed his direction. He took Mary as his wife. And I think about that unexpected moment that was so important. It almost happened that Jesus would, would not be born, that it was just that likelihood it was just at the edge of the possibility that Jesus was not going to be born. But then God stepped in as the Prince of Peace into his life. And I think about how, and, and uh, the, the thing that I can really relate to is my own story of how Yvonne, when she broke silent after we had eight years of marriage, and she broke silent about being abused uh, from the age six to the age 17. And in that abuse, she buried a child uh, through her, um, her stepfather, who also was a leader in, in our organization. And I was real close to this person. You know, this person was like my mentor. I had no idea, no clue. But when, after eight years of marriage, she broke silent and was saying that this is really what the truth is that's been a dark secret. And when fear has gripped you and has imprisoned you, you keep secrets. When you're under the power of, of shame and power of, of, of something that you don't want to destroy the family around you, you will keep secrets. And this is what happened. She kept that secret, but it was just at this point, she could not hold it any longer. However, this would break loose, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to outcome. But the boldness of God speaking into her life allowed her to speak this truth. And sure enough, I was upset. I was like, you know, what I'm going to do? This changes everything in our lives. It reroutes all that I knew and understood. But there was something about the presence of God that stepped in, the peace of God that stepped in, in a way that I didn't even realize just how powerful his presence was. And I became a covering for her. I didn't want to abandon her. I didn't want to leave her. I became a covering for her. And the scripture says love covers a multitude of, of sins, of faults. And I begin to see the work of the presence of his peace in my life, begin to step into that, that, that hole, that void, that place of dis, displeasure, the place of disappointment. He stepped into that place and I became a covering for her. And as the healing process continued to work in our lives, as time went on, I began to say, how unusual the peace of God that passes all understanding, that keeps our hearts and minds in Christ. Real quick, let's look at four things that ensures peace to those whom God's favor rests. The first is his love in Isaiah 40. 54 and 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. For my covenant of peace be removed. It will not be removed, saith the Lord, who has compassion on you. His love, as God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus Christ, that whoever believed in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The second is justification by faith in Romans 5 and 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly as we have faith in the Son of God who gave his life, who died for us, we are now made right with God. We are justified by faith. And, and the third one is reconciliation, Colossians 1, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. The devil cannot accuse us any longer. We've been brought back to Christ. We've been brought back to God. We are now one with him. We're at peace with him. And the fourth one is prayer and thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, Philippians 4 and 6. And I think about how it's important that as we come to God with our issues, with our situations, with our difficulties, that prayer is the key element here. Prayer is the key. And, you know, it's, it's prayer that, you know, really speaks to the things that God wants us to share with him. And most of all is that when we come to him, let's thank him for what he's already doing in our lives. Thank him for how he's given us the assurance that if we trust him, he will be there for us. He will be that unexpected peace that passeth all understanding. Thank you. Father God, we just thank you today for we who are just so excited about this season, the reason for the season. We thank you for just uh, being able to hear, Lord, uh, how uh, unexpected it is that you step into our processes of life. You step into our difficulties. You step into our pathway, Lord. And you continue to show up in ways that are beyond our understanding. And we're just thankful, Lord, that you have uh, reassured us that we don't have to fret, we don't have to worry, we don't have to give up, we don't have to fall. We don't have to, Lord, feel like you're not there, but you are ever-present. So we pray today, Lord, as we go forth from here, that we will continue to have you as the uh, person and the Prince of Peace that sits in the place, Lord, that serves us best and that we ourselves can be an example of witness to your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.